Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to be back with you here once again on the HHC, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. We've got a great show for you today. It's a preview edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets taking on the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. We're going to talk about that contest. Also going to talk about the recent play of Miles Bridges off to a great start this year. He was profiled in the undefeated earlier this week. What do they have to say about him? What are we looking for from the future for Miles Bridges? And a recent edition of the Power Rankings came out. As you might imagine, Hornets sliding a little bit, having lost five in a row now. So we'll get an assessment for where the Hornets stand in the Power ranking standings. Helping me on all these topics, you hear them every weekday as well as every game day on the flagship station of your Charlotte Hornets Sports Radio FNZ. He's the host of the clubhouse, Kyle Bailey, with us once again on the Hornets Hivecast. Kyle, good to have you back. Well, sir, it is always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's always an honor. How are you? I'm doing great. We're flipping the script. Normally, it's you asking me questions on pregame and postgame on the Hornets Radio Network. Today, I get to ask you, and we're going to start off with the power rankings that recently came out for the Hornets before. I give you the, the ranking for Charlotte. As you might imagine, Hornets have slipped a bit. Most of the people out there that I talk to, as well as what I'm reading from these NBA.com power rankings, say that despite the recent losses, the Hornets are still an extremely entertaining team. And if we were ranking this based off league pass favorites, Charlotte's still right near or at the top but the category that they have slipped in most significantly has been defense most metrics have the Hornets at or near the bottom of the NBA on the defensive side of the ball and that has cost them in the last handful of games what are your thoughts having watched the Hornets throughout this season and how they've played particularly defensively James Borrego has a couple of buzzwords that he uses right when he talks about this team after games and 
you know, in, in press conferences, he talks about resiliency a lot, but he also talks about professionalism, and he talks a lot about the professional approach to the game. And I think sometimes there are a couple of younger guys still on this team who, you know, are still maybe learning that lesson the, the hard way some nights, and, and for others, you know, it's uh, maybe lack of focus. It could be a couple of things. What I'm getting at is that there are stretches where they seem to forget who they have been so often this year, quite frankly. I know it's you know hard for some people to hear because they're five and seven, but, you know, when they've been good, Sam, you've got a better seat than anyone. They've been really good. And so they've got to find a way to maintain that. And and I think James Borrego has been trying to impress that upon them lately while not overreacting to what's been a pretty rough stretch. But, you know, defensively, they, they certainly have to be better. They gave up, what, nearly 43 pointers between Friday night and Sunday night to uh, Sacramento and to L.A., the Clippers. So that can't happen. And on the flip side of it, the Hornets are going to do that to a lot of people, given the way they shoot the three ball. So We'd like to see them continue doing things they're doing offensively, but to not have those lapses defensively that have cost them games, especially here lately. And it's important to keep in perspective, it is a very long season and we're very early in it. Yes, the Hornets have lost five in a row and no one likes that, but you look elsewhere in the standings right now, the Boston Celtics and the Atlanta Hawks, two teams that a lot of people believed would be at the very least playoff teams for the Hawks, very high expectations. Both of them sit below the Hornets right now in the standings. You've got a lot of teams that have surprised people with their starts they've gotten off to others are a little bit of a slump right now so this is still a very early stage of the season but as things sit right now Charlotte through 11 games is at the bottom when it comes to defense actually I should say 12 Charlotte has played more games and specifically more road games as well than any other team in the NBA it's not to say that it's the hardest strength of schedule but it is a factor here it means the Hornets have had less rest than anyone else in the association There's a couple teams out there that have played nine games so far, and that doesn't mean that the schedulers have it out against the Hornets. It means this is going to even out at some point, so the combination of all the road games and the lack of rest could be having an impact on this current slide the Hornets are on, and later on in the season, that schedule, that frequency is going to become more favorable. It is, and that's important. And, and I think they know that, and certainly we've been talking about it. And I think right now you've seen the convergence of a multitude of issues that some came up here recently, but Terry Rozier's ankle injury happened in the preseason. And, and Terry hasn't played awful uh, since he returned, but he certainly hasn't been himself. And then what he did the other night against the Lakers certainly made it seem like, okay, that's the Terry that we all expected. So Terry hasn't shot it well. P.J. Washington's on the mend, and, and he means so much to them coming off the second unit. And so between that and, and a road schedule playing more games and still learning how to play together, in some ways, it's not surprising that they're hitting some rough patches. The good thing is they have a lot of offensive firepower and and short of, you know, knock on wood, the injuries derailing what they hope is a successful season, I think we all believe they're going to be able to continue to score enough points to be competitive. They just got to lock down defensively and and they know it, so we'll see if it starts tonight against Memphis because uh, we know these two teams have some history and this is a very difficult team to defend, so uh, it's a good night to get right just in terms of, hey, you know, proving that you can do it against one of the better teams in the NBA. That, that might be something that could help them propel forward and go on a run. Especially if they can prove they can do it without P.J. Washington. He is such a big piece of what they like to do with that small ball five unit. Really good defender, especially off the ball, coming in from the help side. And Mason Plumley, he had a big double-double the other day in Los Angeles. But overall, when you look at his plus-minuses, he's been playing well. So finding someone to fill those minutes when Plumley needs to get a breather, that's key for the Hornets here. Nick Richards has filled in well, but we'll see uh, how Charlotte fares against Memphis. Talk about that one a little bit later on. We were going to talk about power rankings here. I managed to 
not give the number to this point, so it allows me to ask you this, Kyle. Where do you think the Hornets should be 1 through 30 in the power rankings as of today? <laughs> Man, this, this is a tough question. Um, not so much because it's hard to pick a number, but because I think you and I, just being around this team and seeing them all the time, believe this is a good team. If I'm looking at it from an outsider's perspective and I see a a five-game losing streak and what happened against Sacramento and a couple of things like that, uh, you know, sitting at 11 last week, I'd have to believe they're sliding to 18, 19 this week. I don't think they fall into the 20s, but uh, I think they fall to the very end of the teens because what they've done lately, let's be honest, I mean, there's been some good play, but um, the results have not been impressive. And I don't think the national NBA and those folks who assemble that list are going to look too kindly upon the last seven days. They were harsher than you thought. Power rankings, latest ones from NBA.com had the Hornets falling 10 spots, the most of any team, from 11 to 21. So the next question for you is, if you want to put them at the 18 to 19 spot, you got to take some teams that are ahead of them and put them behind them. We're only going to make you do it with one. Here are the three teams directly north of Charlotte in the power rankings you've got the LA Clippers the Boston Celtics and the Atlanta Hawks as I referenced earlier a couple of those teams have not gotten off to good starts either Boston is four and six overall on the season Atlanta Hawks are four and seven and they also have lost four in a row as of this recording of course we just saw the Clippers a couple of days ago which of those teams do you think the Hornets should be ahead of in the power rankings I would feel comfortable saying Atlanta right now though I I don't think there's anything more than just what they have on paper so far. Um, I do think the Hawks are a good team when healthy, but that's the thing about the Celtics is that on the one hand, they came to Charlotte and then beat the Hornets in OT a couple of weeks ago, but they're not playing well. And Jalen Brown now, of course, injured I, without him and the Hornets being, you know, I guess without PJ Washington. I don't know. That, that one's tough. I would feel comfortable sliding them ahead of Atlanta right now. Well, there you go. You only had to do it for one. I'm not saying 18 or 19 isn't the correct number that they should be at. Just, uh, you know, I always love the arguments. Everyone has 13 people on their five best of all time and whenever you ask them to pull one out they can't do it but you are a professional you were able to get it done and so that is our recap on the power rankings hopefully next time we have this conversation hornets have risen up those rankings once again coming up next we're going to talk about miles bridges his great start to the season and uh, some of the recent uh, publications that have been writing about him we'll talk about that next here on the hornets Hivecast. I get allergy care from the doctors at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates who know how to treat me, not just my symptoms. Now that my allergies are under control, I can ride my bike whenever I want, just like I did as a kid. Senta offers allergy testing and a wide range of treatment in North and South Carolina. Play like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Sam Farber and Kyle Bailey, you hear him daily on Sports Radio FNZ flagship for the Hornets Radio Network, and he also hosts the pre- and post-game shows. You can follow him at Kyle Bailey Club. That's at Kyle Bailey Club, all one word. Here with you on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Kyle, recently, Miles Bridges was the subject of a profile piece in The Undefeated by 
by the great Mark Spears, excellent writer over there. And he talked about the situation coming into this season. Miles Bridges was eligible for an extension. He and the team did not come to terms. So he is playing this year. And the term that was used in the piece was bet on himself. It's something we've talked about quite a bit. It makes sense to me. I think the numbers that Miles Bridges has posted to this point coming into this year in his career certainly show that he has uh, got a very bright future, but didn't necessarily put up the kind of numbers that say, I don't know, a Luka Doncic or a Trey Young had where you're immediately demanding a max contract. Miles Bridges has some spectacular abilities, but when you're going to hand out those kinds of dollars, you kind of need to see the person prove it on the floor and Miles Bridges is taking a year to bet on himself and and prove it or at least that's the assessment that we get. A couple of quotes uh, in the piece that we'll talk about in a moment but your thoughts on Miles Bridges the decision his point and heading into this season betting on himself. Love it. I love that he did it. I don't know that I could have predicted it. Someone puts four years, $60 million in front of you. It's uh, got to be hard not to sign right away but he did what he thought was in the best interest of his career and as of right now, he was not just right. He's right on the money. He's He's been incredible. And I just hope it continues. He's such an easy guy to root for, and, and he works really, really hard. I know there was some talk about, uh, in the piece anyway, I know you're going to hit some of the bullet points, but, but they referenced the Mikhail Bridges, uh, I think, four-year $90 million deal, uh, something comparable, and, and I think that's what this whole thing might be driving toward. But I saw a couple of folks having a debate about this the other day, and one individual was basically attributing much of Miles' development to JB and, and the program and the organization, which I think is very accurate, and the other said, no, it's more about playing alongside LaMelo Ball and a couple of other factors. I mean, the truth is, it's a lot of things, but it starts with Miles Bridges because he put the work in. You know, his playing alongside LaMelo Ball has no doubt made him a better player, but LaMelo Ball is not the reason that Miles Bridges can create and, you know, can knock down a a fadeaway jumper from 18 feet with a guy in his face or has become a much, much more dangerous three-point shooter than a lot of folks thought that he'd ever be. Miles Bridges is responsible for his growth and his development, but JB and the organization have done a tremendous job with him, and uh, I cannot imagine they're going to let him get out of those doors or go anywhere but wear a Charlotte Hornets uniform for a long time. The quote in the piece from Mitch Kupchick, and we heard it on media availability as well, was, we love Miles Bridges. We did have conversations with his representatives up until the last minute. The decision was made to wait and see how the season plays out, and we'll approach it again in the spring. And that makes sense. I think from the team standpoint, the comp right next to him in terms of uh, name in the uh, NBA encyclopedia as well as in uh, relative positioning in the draft. Mikel Bridges, you look at their numbers, they're pretty close. The Bridges for the Suns averaged a point more per game. Bridges for the Hornets averaged about a rebound better. Shooting percentages slightly better to the Suns. Bridges and that was from last year. This year, it's not even close. So I would agree with you. I think if you look at the contract, Miles Bridges, if he continues the way he has and there's no reason to think he won't he's going to far exceed that type of offer and uh, make it very uh, bright future for him and his young family miles i'm with you he, he bet on himself the quote from him in the piece is i'm not worried about the money he goes on to say i'm really just worried about playing the right way and winning i will let my agent worry about all that stuff and just worry about the game and i think that's just the perfect attitude to have and it speaks to miles bridges the kind of person the kind of competitor he is and the kind of faith 
faith he has in himself as as a parent. You and I are both it. I'm with you. If someone puts a contract for $60 million in front of me, I'm signing that thing before they can rip it away. But we're not Miles Bridges. He is someone who has absolutely every faith in his abilities, as he should. And if he continues on this trajectory, he is going to get a, a very significant payday for his services. Oh, he is. And, and I'm, I'm happy for him. And hopefully this continues. And as we're talking about, uh, you know, Mikhail Bridges, and, and he's a Phoenix son, as you know, there when Miles came into the NBA, one of the player comps that I heard pretty often was former Phoenix son, Sean Marion. And I liked it. I, I got it. And then, you know, over the, we, we've watched him over the years and he starts to take what we think is maybe an all-star caliber turn last year. And then it continues through the start of this year. And I started to think for a moment, well, he, he might be outplaying the Sean Marion comp. But shame on me. I, I didn't have a full appreciation in my, my memory bank for just how good Sean, Mar- Sean Marion was, excuse me, for uh, a long period of time. In fact, in, at the height of his career, he was averaging you know nearly 22 and 10 per game and was just such a difference maker out there. So if Miles Bridges becomes a four-time All-Star and does those those things that Sean Marion did, I think people would be thrilled with that. But I also think at 23 years old, he might be showing us that we're, we don't know what his ceiling is. So I'm, I'm just along for the ride. This would be the year that, if you're looking year for year, what Sean Marion did, what Miles Bridges has done, I guess this would be the year that he would reach all-star status. Now, Sean Marion had a couple better statistical seasons prior to his all-star year than Miles has had when you look at the overall. When you just focus in on when he was really at high usage rate late in last season, there are a lot of similarities. But Marion, his first all-star season, he averaged 21 points per game. He averaged about nine rebounds per game game. He shot the ball 38% from beyond the arc. And when you look at Miles Bridges' numbers, granted, it's only through 12 games. There's a lot of season to go between now and when All-Star teams are going to get announced. But Miles Bridges, 22 points per game, 7.5 rebounds per game, 35% from three. There are a lot of similarities there. So uh, Miles Bridges making an All-Star team would make him that much more money in the long term. He is having the success now on the floor, and the Hornets benefacting for it. All right, coming up next, it's a game night. Miles Bridges and the Hornets will be on the floor walking in Memphis against the Grizzlies. We'll preview the game next with Kyle Bailey here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. Hornets fans, make sure you download the Hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience. The Hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering, and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today. Third and final segment of this edition of the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Kyle Bailey, host of the Clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ, afternoons 2 to 6 on our flagship station, 610 AM, 102.5 FM, WFNZ, and he will be on the pregame show tonight ahead of Hornets versus Memphis. Kyle, I know you're going to be asking me what I'm looking forward to from that game. I'm going to ask you first, what are you looking forward to from tonight's game as the Hornets try and snap out of this five-game slide against the Grizzlies? Well, we have to start, I guess, with a head-to-head matchup of two guys that could and probably should represent the face of the NBA for the next, I don't know, 10 years, John Morant versus LaMelo Ball, and this is always going to be fun. You know, I'm looking to see if the Hornets can uh, fare better than they did against the Memphis in, in preseason, but more specifically, if, if they can rebound against a team like this. I mean, this is a big physical team, and as we know, that's not always a great formula for the Hornets if, if they're not hitting the glass hard 
hard and focused in those areas to, to begin a game. So looking for those things primarily. I mean, this this is a, a series or a, a matchup that has become, you know, kind of interesting over the years. Several years ago, the Hornets blew them out, and I think it still registers as one of the top five or ten largest blowouts in NBA history. And then a couple of years later, John Morant comes to the Spectrum Center and finishes at the rim to beat the Hornets at the buzzer. And, you know, now we get LaMelo versus John annually. So uh, I, I like this series, and uh, tonight should be a whole lot of fun. I'm with you on John Morant, and, you know, his statistics over the first three years of his career really is a further illustration of how big an impact not having a normal offseason was, not just on rookies, but across the NBA. John Moran, of course, was Rookie of the Year, that 1920 season kind of leading into the pandemic. He averaged 17 points per game, comes back the next season. Again, pandemic altered. He goes for 19 points per game, so slight uptick, but not the big jump you would have assumed. Did guide his team into the playoffs, but here, year three, Wow, 26 points per game. He is shooting the ball better than he ever has in his career. 48% from the field, 36% from deep. He has made a big jump here. He's definitely the player I have my eye on as well from Memphis, but since you mentioned him first, I'll go ahead and find another. And and this is a guy who I think can have an impact but hasn't done it consistently yet this year. It's one of their other recent first-round picks, Brandon Clark. Out of Gonzaga, he's got this great physicality to his game. His numbers have been down recently. But if he can perform well against the Hornets, particularly in the paint, he's that guy that I think maybe a P.J. Washington might end up defending ordinarily, or at the very least, Miles Bridges. And if he has success, that's going to be a a difficult thing to overcome because he's such a good player on the glass when he is playing well. So that's a guy I've got my eye on for Memphis. How about a statistical category to watch for, Kyle? What are some of the numbers within the numbers that you think the Hornets need to win or at least be close in to have success? This is uh, is a simple one. It's the one that I think matters the most because what we watched the other night in L.A. was a, a pretty strong effort, all things considered. There were a couple of stretches where they had those defensive lapses, falling behind by 14 in the second half. But all five starters and double figures, those guys were sharp. The bench production wasn't what it needed to be. But the one thing that really plagued them, they should have gotten, gotten out of the Staples Center on Monday night with a win were it not for 18 turnovers. And those 18 turnovers leading to, I believe, 33 points off of those turnovers. And that is something that can't continue to happen um you know it ties into the defense and, and things like that when you're giving the ball away it, it's it ruins everything you do it's kind of like a walk in baseball but turning the ball over 18 times in la you know was a big part of why they lost that game and it's been unfortunately a trend it was in sacramento and uh, again against la so they, they've got to clean it up and protect the ball if they can do that they're going to have a chance every single time they hit the floor yeah you're reading my notes again uh it, it was not just the turnovers but live ball turnovers because the horns forced 15 turnovers out of la but only got six points out of them. So that's a 27 point to the positive for the Lakers that they got there. And even though the Hornets attempted more shots from the field, more shots from deep, they just didn't shoot the ball well enough to overcome all those easy opportunities, be they transition threes with Carmelo Anthony or just free drives to the bucket. So since you took turnovers, I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to say defensive rebounding has got to be a priority in this one. It was only preseason, but Steven Adams just had a field day against the Hornets in the paint. That's someone to keep an eye on. Again, I mentioned Brandon Clark. Again, that's a a lean towards rebounding. Uh, But the Hornets right now are lower third at the very least in defensive rebounding percentage as we head into tonight's game. The Memphis Grizzlies are top five in offensive rebounding percentage. So something that the Hornets have not done particularly well matched up against something that Memphis has as a strength. It's a category to watch. Doesn't mean that the Hornets have to win the board per se, but they cannot let Memphis go 
go crazy on second chance points and still stay in this game. Last but not least, Kyle, who is a player for the Hornets that you believe needs to have a big game tonight to help right the ship? That's a great question. I don't know that he's the most critical, but given the way he he got off to the start he got off to earlier this season, I'd like to see Jalen McDaniels have a night because it feels like even though he it's not as if he hasn't been contributing, it's just been a little bit inconsistent as of late. And they don't need 16 a night from him. They'll take it. But, uh, you know, a solid, you know, 11, 12 points, seven rebound, three assists, no turnovers type of night off the bench would, would really help against a team like this. So I'd like to see Jalen McDaniels get going. I'll take it. I'm going to go with Terry Rozier for this one. Had a season high 29 points against the Lakers. Still trying to find his form in terms of his three point percentage, but I think the way he is aggressively taking it to the basket might help that because, one, if you have to commit a little bit more attention to the fact that Terry Rozier can go right by you and finish in traffic even uh, though he's only six foot one amongst the trees that might give him a little bit of extra space for his three-point shot but also I think you got to find the ways to put the ball through the basket and give yourself some confidence in the last two games Terry Rozier has done that in Los Angeles I think there's going to be some carryover and if he can start hitting the three-point shot closer to that 40 percent mark that he had the last two years rather than the 25 percent mark he's been off to to start this one that's the difference between being, say, I don't know, a 20-point score and maybe a 24-25 point-per-game score that Terry Rozier might be capable of being. So we've covered it all, I think. The Hornets player to watch, Grizzlies player to watch, statistics to watch, and now that's all that's left to do is to listen to the game. It's going to start tonight, 8 p.m. tip time back in the Queen City, and pregame starts at 7 on our flagship station, Sports Radio FNZ. Highly encourage you to tune in as T-Bone and the one, the only Kyle Bailey, host of The Clubhouse with Kyle Bailey on our flagship station, Sports Radio FNZ. We'll guide you through it, and then soon enough we'll be back home and we'll get to see you in person. You'll be on post game as well with Stan Norfleet. So Kyle Bailey all day the next few days on our flagship, and we appreciate him joining us here today on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you, buddy. Good to hear from you, and uh, we'll talk again very soon. Yes, we will. The pregame starts up momentarily. Thanks to Kyle Bailey for joining us here on the HHC. Thanks to our producer, Rob Longo, and most of all, thanks to all of you for tuning in. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along, and we will talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.